You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. My name is Roger Otero. I'm the associate pastor here at Vineyard Augusta. Excited to be preaching this morning. I, I don't have a sermon for you guys. I have a homily. Like, just, that's just a fancy word. That's for Tasha. That's for Tasha. No, homilies are too short. I can't do that. Um, no, excited. We're continuing this, this morning with our series, uh, Fresh Reformation, where we're doing an exploration through the book of Ephesians. And I've got, I've got a sermon for you today that I have titled, Full Human Maturity. And, and to start off, we're going to start off being a little bit introspective. Maybe you're not quite awake enough yet for that this morning. We'll just ask for God's grace to like help us out with that a little bit. Um, but I'm going to invite you to do a, a little bit of sort of like a, a self checkup sort of thing in your soul, right? Um, and so the question is really simple. The question is simply, are you experiencing any of the following symptoms? All right, pretty, pretty simple question. Are you, I'm going to go through a list, um, a quick list of kind of four batches of symptoms, right? And see if any of them resonate with you, kind of like where you are today spiritually, right? This would be sort of like you go to the doctor, right, for your like well-check visit or something, your yearly physical, and they just kind of like ask all these questions, no, 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 yes, and then whatever the yeses are is like an indication of maybe where you need to spend a little more time, right? Very similar thing. So are you experiencing any of the following symptoms in your spirit these days? So symptom batch number one, right, these all kind of clump together. Um, are, Are you feeling any sort of like worthlessness. You might say things like, I I used to have feelings of like love and awe towards God, but now I think of God and others maybe as as having expectations of me that like I just can't match up to. Um, So I I feel worthless. I'm kind of convinced that I'm only going to fail God or fail other people. I I carry this like fear of rejection with me a lot. Uh, Maybe it's a sort of like spiritual bankruptcy. Maybe you, you could say, I used to feel like God could meet all of my needs and I depended on him for everything, but now it's, it's, like, it's like there's nothing there, right? There's no well to draw from. There's no, there's no energy left where there used to be. I kind of feel like I have nowhere to turn and like maybe God's not even listening sometimes. Um, or maybe it's sort of like in a, in a sense of like inexperience. Like maybe you would say like, I was really excited about faith. I was really excited about following Jesus, but now I, I feel kind of clueless about faith issues. I suddenly, I suddenly am painfully aware of, of all the things that I don't know. Um, I feel like I'm just not as experienced as others. I'm not as knowledgeable as others. Maybe, maybe I just don't have what it takes. I feel like it's all too far above me. And so I don't even try even, even if I want to, right? So just take note, right? And if you're in writing stuff down, you can write down one. If any of these feel like they're resonating with you, this is symptom batch number one. Symptom batch number two is a little bit different. Um, maybe in this one, um, maybe you're experiencing a little bit of what we might call you're being rigid in rightness. Uh, like maybe you'd say things like, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I've, I've found a whole lot of answers about faith, um, whether from certain leaders or from, from a cause I've devoted myself to or this belief system or this church group or whatever. But, but maybe sometimes, if I'm honest, I kind of wonder if I'm coming across as like legalistic or, or rigid. Um, sometimes maybe people have told me that, right? Maybe we don't realize that we're feeling that way, but maybe sometimes people have hinted that we come across that way. And maybe now I'm feeling a lot of conflict because what I believe is right for me in faith must be right for everyone else, right? <laughs> because another way it works, what's right for me must be right for you. And, and so I've carried this strong sense of rightness and security in my faith, but, 
But now that kind of sometimes feels like it's not really doing me or anyone else a whole lot of good. Uh, maybe maybe in related to this is like this us against them kind of mentality, right? I've gained a lot of meaning from belonging to a particular faith group or faith community or church or whatever. And, and I'm, gratefully, I'm deeply grateful for my spiritual community. But now I notice myself feeling overprotective of whatever group I belong to. Um, I tend to have a strong like us versus them mindset to anyone else who's on the outside of that. Or maybe it looks like switching and searching. Maybe you notice this pattern in your life of switching and searching, right? Like in, in my disillusionment with one group, I end up, I, I criticize it. I find all the faults for why it hasn't given me all the things that I, I needed. And so I leave and I find another group and, and perhaps that pattern of disillusionment and leaving and switching and searching continues. Um, and you could say like, I'm still searching because I just haven't found the group that's right as, as right as I am, you know? Again, Maybe you need somebody else to tell you that. I don't know. Symptom batch number two. So maybe if any of those resonate with you, right, just make a, make a mental note. Write a little note to yourself or something. Maybe it's number two. Symptom batch number three. Um, uh, maybe this looks like, like you're kind of overzealous, right? Maybe you'd say, like, I'm sometimes overzealous. I feel myself just getting all ramped up and riled up. I, I believe so strongly that other people need what I have that I can't be satisfied until they want it too right? You've got to convince me that you want this as bad as I want this for you, right? Um, getting, getting others to be as spiritually successful as I am makes me feel more successful. Or, or getting others to be as productive in their faith as I am makes, makes me feel more productive. So I'm kind of overzealous. Um, may, maybe I'm getting weary in doing good. Maybe I'm just getting really, really weary and doing good. I used to find, you could say this, I used to find great joy in having my unique place in the community, using my gifts and my talents to serve God and other people. Um, but, but, and I felt fruitful, right? Like I felt fruitful, like I was finally doing what God created me to do. But now I'm burning out. I've just gone so hard for so long. I feel like I'm burning out. I, I keep working hard, but I feel unappreciated. Uh, uh, maybe I feel disillusioned because people didn't change in the ways that I wanted them to or at the pace that I had hoped that they would. Maybe my leadership hasn't resulted in the breakthroughs that I desired to see from it. And, and I'm just really bummed out about other people because they didn't seem to work as hard as I did to like make it happen, whatever, whatever it is. Or maybe it's a lot about performance. Maybe life is about performance, right? That, that I can say... Like, honestly, that I was really productive in some position or role that carried perhaps real responsibility in my faith community or in my church. And, and so now, because of that, like, I, I can't look vulnerable or weak in front of other people. I can't really be honest about what's going on inside because it's gonna, it would undermine my image or my influence in some way. You know, and, and maybe I, I, I'm, I'm angry at God inside sometimes. I feel confused inside sometimes, but, but I'm fearful of being found out. So I just, I keep doing and I keep up appearances. Um, and maybe I really am striving to be loved for what I do rather than just for simply who I am. So if any of those resonate with you, right? Like make a mental note or an actual physical note. Maybe symptom batch number three is me. And the final one, symptom batch number four. Again, there's more that could be said about all of these and beyond, but we'll stop here. Um, symptom batch number four, may, maybe I'm just always questioning, just this never-ending questioning. And maybe it's because, maybe I've encountered some, some crisis in my life, 
or some crisis in faith that, that seems to have like turned everything upside down and backwards. And it's, it's left me with more questions than answers. And, and my questions are never satisfied. And maybe I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that, but I just I have to keep asking and keep asking. And, and maybe I'm just not sure. Maybe I'm resistant because I'm not sure I have enough information to really move forward or to really commit to any process of restoration or healing or wholeness or whatever it is. I'm waiting until I feel like I've got enough answers. Or maybe I'm consumed with self-assessment. Maybe I'm consumed with self-assessment. You know, my, my, my faith, you could say this, maybe you could say my faith used to be a lot more visible. It used to be a lot more outward oriented to other people, but, but now things are turning more inward and it's a little bit uncomfortable because I'm having to look at things about myself that I'm not used to looking at or deal with things going on in me that I wasn't used to dealing with. So it's uncomfortable. But, but because of this, I'm consumed with finding myself more than I am consumed with finding faith. You know, and I'm engaging in a whole lot of personal growth. I'm engaging in a whole lot of self-care, but, but only as long as it makes me feel good about myself, right? I want to understand myself, but I only want to see what makes me feel good. Like I, maybe I'm not, I'm not quite ready to face my shadow side yet. And whenever I get hints of seeing my shadow side, I, I close that up really quick and move on. Or maybe, maybe I feel disconnected. Maybe you could say this. I, I feel a lack of intimacy. Maybe I feel a lack of intimacy with my own self. I feel a lack of intimacy with other people. Maybe that I used to have a lot of intimacy with. Intimacy with It's just kind of not there. Maybe I feel a lack of intimacy between me and God that used to be there. I, 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 maybe I just suddenly feel all alone on the journey when I used to feel like I had a whole crowd with me. And maybe I can learn with others. I can be with others. I can even serve with others. But but I'm not really connecting with them. And part of that is maybe because I feel afraid of these things that I'm starting to realize about myself and I don't want to be found out. So there's four, four symptom batches. And we spent a few minutes on this. I think it's worth our time to kind of slow down and do a little, a little check-in with ourselves. And so if any of these resonated with you, anybody, any brave hands, do any of these resonate with you at all? Did you feel like you don't have to shout out what they are, Right? And if any of them made you feel uncomfortable, that's probably a good sign. If at any moment you were like, okay, Roger, shut up, move on, right? That's, that's probably because you just didn't want to hear that one, and that's okay, right? If you're experiencing any of these symptoms, I want to say a couple things. First, it's all quite normal, and honestly, it's to be expected. Because here's the big deal. If you're experiencing any of these symptoms, here's the diagnosis, You've got a case of spiritual growing pains. That's all these are. These are a case of spiritual growing pains. And what they are is these spiritual growing pains are an invitation from God to move into greater maturity. It's not the kind of invitation we would ask for, oftentimes. But they're an invitation from God for us to move into some other level of maturity. And the sooner that we can say yes to them, the sooner that we can yield to God's work in us, the sooner we will mature. And, and here's the thing I want you to hold in the back of your heads this whole time as we talk about this, is that spiritual formation, and read for that spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, whatever, spiritual formation is not something that we do, but it is something that is done to us by God. For most of my Christian life, I could have swore this was not true. No, I'm doing it, right? I can be driven, 
And so I was like, nope, I'm doing it. But it's not the case. God is doing these things and he's allowing us to experience these growing pains as an invitation to move deeper into the things that he wants to form in us. And so the big idea of what I want to talk about today as we look at Ephesians is this idea that full human maturity in all of our being, in our entirety of our being, full human maturity flourishes in community that is Christ-centered. Full human maturity flourishes in community that is Christ-centered. And so before we open up the scriptures today, why don't you pray with me? God, we humble ourselves before you right now. And and just as real as we can be, as honest with you and as transparent before you as we can be, with maybe some of these growing pains that we're acknowledging, that probably we really don't like, that we really wish we could just kind of get through as quick as possible. If there was some kind of spiritual ibuprofen, we would take it right away. God, we, just, we come to you with all those things. And we ask you now by your scriptures, would you open up the eyes of our heart to see you more clearly, to see ourselves more clearly, that we might yield to you, that we might trust you in your good plans and purposes for us. We might yield to you to have your way with us. Yeah, so let us hear you. Let us hear your voice. Holy Spirit, I pray that your voice would speak more loudly today than my own. Amen. All right. So we're up to Ephesians 4. We're getting there. You can read along on the screen or on your device of choice. Even a physical book, perhaps. Ephesians 4. We've got six short verses today. There's a lot packed in here. Paul's continuing, he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, what I want to look at in this passage, as as quickly as I can, I think a lot of it is really kind of easy to grasp on the surface of it, right? You guys can follow along with this. But what I want to do is I want to back up and I want to look at three key images or three key ideas that are each repeated five times in this short passage. Each of these three things is repeated five times. And the first is this, maturity. Again, we're talking about full human maturity. And here's these five spots where where, where Paul brings this up. He says, first, so that the body of Christ may be built up, right? There's this building up. There's this increasing. Um, It's this idea of making something complete or perfecting. And And it conveys that there's this ongoing process of development that has to happen. He says, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure. There's the word, mature, right? 
This is the goal, to, to become mature, to attain maturity, um, and attaining to the whole measure. I, I think this is key, that, that nothing is left out. No part of Christ is left out of this process. No part of our own selves is left out of this process. Nothing is ignored or set aside or disregarded. It's the whole kit and caboodle. He goes on and says, then we will no longer be infants, right? If we've been built up, if we're maturing, if we've got this fullness, no longer infants. This is like, this is the negative image, right? This is the, this is the metaphor for immaturity. This is the image of immaturity that we do not want to be a part of. He goes on, he says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body. Here again are these two synonyms, grow, mature, right? Growth and maturity are this process that we're aiming to be involved with. And finally, the fifth time he mentions this, he talks about the whole body grows and builds itself up in love. This is an active process involving the spiritual community that we're a part of. Again, spiritual formation is, as I said, it's not something that we do, but it is something that God, that is, that is done to us by God. And a key way that God works in us to maturity is through the body, through the community, through his church. But we've got to choose to involve ourselves in that process. We have to choose, again, to yield to that process. And, and more on that in a moment. But before we, before we move on to the next bit, just like a brief word about maturity. You know, like, maturation is often uncomfortable and confusing. And if any of those things that I listed in the beginning, any of those symptoms resonated with you, it probably made you uncomfortable. Or you probably sensed that it was true, but you were really confused about it and kind of didn't want to think about it a whole lot. Maturation is often uncomfortable and confusing, especially in major, major transitions, right? So just, just think about human life for a moment. Think about our normal physical human maturation. Um, the first major transition we have is birth, right? A transition so uncomfortable that God in his good graces made sure that we never remember it. <laughs> Second major transition we hit is toddlerhood. This toddlerhood, where we're learning to, to, to walk, we're learning to talk, we're learning to do things for ourselves. And if you guys ever seen a toddler get really angry and frustrated, right? It's because they're trying to do things that they can't do yet. And they want it so bad that, that they are just uncomfortable and confused all the time. And they will let you know. The third major transition we hit is puberty, the reigning champion of all uncomfortable and confusing life stages. Then we hit young adulthood, right? And especially once we're, maybe once we're, if we're following a normal kind of progression of things, it's not always the same for everyone, but, but we're no longer in school, but now we're like out in the workforce, we're doing like some real adulting finally. It's, it can be a confusing and uncomfortable transition stage to be in. Then we get to parenthood, right? Anybody want to say that parentinghood, parenthood is uncomfortable and confusing, right? Here's a, can I, can I just give you guys one bit of parenting advice? I know nobody really wants it. You're not asking for parenting advice. That's not why you came here this morning. I'm gonna get, this is the only bit of parenting advice I will give you. Is that if anyone else says that parenthood is not uncomfortable or confusing, don't take advice from them. <laughs> they're, they're either in denial or they're trying to sell you something, right? Then we hit midlife. Midlife is a transition stage, right? 
And, and I know, right, like this trope of like the midlife crisis might, might be like a little bit overplayed or something like that. But guys, the struggle is real. There's something about hitting the middle of your life. I remember hitting 40, right? And suddenly it's like all the things that you have built your whole life for up until this point, you're like, is this what I really wanted to be? Is this where I really wanted to be going? Is this what I really want my life to consist of? It just, it happens, man. And then we hit old age. I have not hit this one yet. But it's tricky, right? It's hard. And some of you guys know, because suddenly you can't do all of the things that you used to do. And in fact, you now need other people to do the things for you that you used to do for them. So we know this is true, right? Maturation is uncomfortable and confusing because things are just not like they used to be. Or perhaps more correctly, we are just not the way that we used to be. It's not like the world around us has changed so much as we have changed. And if it's true physically, guys, this is true spiritually. It's not so much that the world around you has changed a whole lot. You're changing. You're experiencing this discomfort as an invitation from God. So maturation is often uncomfortable and confusing, but do we really want to stay in our previous immaturity? We really don't. Now, when it comes again to physical maturation, like you're just gonna get old, right? It's just, it's gonna happen. Your body's gonna go through these changes. Socially, you're gonna go through all these changes. You can't really avoid it. But spiritually, we can kind of choose. We can choose to, to be involved in the process or to ignore the process if we really want to. So we can't choose to remain physical infants for forever, but the reason that Paul is writing to the church and talking to them about about spiritual infancy is because he recognizes that we can choose to remain where we are. We can choose to, to not heed the signs and accept the invitations of the spiritual growing pains if we want to. So it requires intentionality. And again, what we're going to get to next is for Christians, Paul's telling us that part of that intentionality involves the community. Full human maturity is not a solo climb. So part two, full human maturity flourishes in community. Here's the five things real quick that Paul says. To equip his people. Note that he's not interested here in just equipping you. He's not talking about equipping me. It's us. And this plural experience of this is absolutely essential. This is hard for us. Guys, I'm just going to tell you right now, it is going to be hard for you as Western Americans to really wrap your minds around this, right? But, but the plural experience of this maturity is absolutely central to what it means to be the people of God and to be a disciple of Jesus. He then says, until we all reach unity, in this understanding and in faith in these things. And all means all. And just like Jesus' prayers, John 17, right? He's not content for his people to be partially unified. He's not content for his people to be partially mature. This is all of us together. He says, then we will no longer be infants. Again, this is the, the, the main point of this. The main goal is not for me to mature beyond infancy, nor for you to mature beyond infancy, but for all of us to mature beyond spiritual infancy. And so long as I am only concerned with my own maturity, 
I think I'm missing out on the point entirely. It's about the maturity of the whole body, the whole community. I, I, think, there's, I think there's some sense in which this is really true. This might be an overstatement, but I'm okay with hyperbole because Jesus used it a lot too, right? In some ways, our Christian community is only mature as the most immature among us. Again, it's hyperbole, so I'll just say it a second time. <laughs> in some ways, our Christian community is only mature as the most immature among us. Except, except unlike the weakest link. You guys remember the show? The weakest, like, like, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Unlike the weakest link, we're in the business of helping one another grow. We are in the business of helping one another mature and be formed into the people God wants us to be. And again, this is the purpose that, that Paul's writing about. This is why he gave leaders to the church in, in that first verse 11 where we started off. And I don't think this is not meant to be um, an exhaustive list of all of the church leaders. But he's saying the reason that the church has like leaders over it and involved in it is to help you mature. This is the thing that I am most interested in, Right? All of the administrative things that I do, all the behind the scenes stuff that I, that, that I have to do as a pastor, all of that is trying to get me in the door with someone to say like, so how is your soul? How's your soul really? What's it been like lately when you try to pray? Are you experiencing any of these symptoms? Let's talk about that. What's God doing in your life? How can I pray for you? How can I help you move along? The role of pastors and leaders in the church is to give you the tools, to give you the encouragement needed to help one another grow. And we're all supposed to do this for each other. He goes on and he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. This is the language of the maturing church. Truth in love. Show me a church that does not know how to speak the truth in love. I will show you a church that is not maturing. I'll show you one that is plateaued and is stagnant. If we can't tell one another the truth, and if we can't do it in love, then we're going to have a hard time maturing as a community. Now, first, I think this is important to say, the first person you have to learn to tell the truth to is yourself. And like, can we just be honest? Like, that's not fun. It's so, much more, it's so much more gratifying to tell you the truth. To tell him the truth. To tell her the truth. We gotta learn to speak the truth to ourselves in love, with self-compassion, with the same love that God has for us, and then speak the truth in love to one another. I came across this quote a while back um, on the Twitter um, this is from Christy Wimber. Christy Wimber is the daughter-in-law of John Wimber, the, the like, granddaddy of the vineyard, right? But she said this, community is God's design to keep us free from deception. We have to listen to a few who love us enough to point out the elephant in our room. We have to. Because speaking the truth in love also involves listening to the truth in love, Right? Paul goes on and he says, fifth thing, the whole body joined, to, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. The whole body held together tightly 
It's not separated, right? Like, guys, this is a team sport. This faith business, this maturity business, this is a team sport. And it's more like a soccer team than a golf team, right? A golf team is just like, we'll just high five each other. And we're like, hey, great score. Now I'm going to go do my thing and I'm going to make my score, right? Is that how it works? I don't This is as far as my sports understanding goes. But a soccer team has to work in concert together, right? They have to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and how to pass the ball and how to protect and how to block and how to shoot and how to do all these things together. And just quickly, this is why, and Tasha mentioned this earlier in the plugs, and we've heard a lot about this in sermons recently, but this is why we have trail guides to help you along our growth pathway, to help connect you to the community, to help you answer two questions for yourselves. The first question being, who am I being formed with? Who are the people here that I'm intentionally committing to grow with in a place that I go that I'm just attending to my own needs? I'm not going because I'm on a schedule. I'm not going because I'm responsible for something. I'm, just, I'm, I'm showing up for Roger. And the second question, who am I serving with? Who are the people that I show up in service attending to other people's needs? Not, not because of what I get out of it, but because I have gifts and time and resources, whatever, that I can give for the benefit of other people. And having solid, I really, I really believe this, having solid answers to those two questions, who am I being formed with and who am I serving with, that's going to set you on the path to maturity because it places you in community. So if you're interested, again, if you, if you haven't done this yet, go to vineyardaugusta.org pathway. Uh, you can sign up there and fill out a little quick form and, and Angela will help connect you with uh, one of our pastors or church leaders who serve as trail guides here and they would love to do that for you. So community is the context for, for maturity. And the third thing that Paul repeat, repeats five times in this passage is Christ. Christ. Full human maturity flourishes in community that is Christ-centered. Here's the five things. Five times he brings up Christ. Right out the gate in verse 11. So Christ himself gave these church leaders that we talked about. Right? right? Like, like church leaders, like we're not here doing this because it was our own idea. That's not the way it works. God knows the kinds of leaders and the specific people that a church community needs, and he provides them. And he says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. It must be the body of Christ, not the body of someone or something else. And let me just, I, I'll, I'll get on a tiny little soapbox here for just a second. Uh, it, it's not enough to merely have community, right? A lot of people these days, this is a good, strong buzzword. And man, I'm not dissing that at all, right? Community is a, a kind of a bigger, becoming a bigger buzzword in our culture. I think it's starting pre-pandemic, and I think especially coming out of pandemic, people are really, really recognizing how much we need community, Right? But it's not just to merely, enough to have merely community. It must be Christ-centered community. Again, note at this point, I'm intentionally not saying Christian community as like an adjective. And I'm not saying that's wrong. You can use that phrase. I probably use that phrase a bunch of times too, right? But for the sake of argument in the sermon, let's say that's not the best thing to say. Because community that is simply Christian in name will not help us mature spiritually. I mean, it might happen, but especially when the growing pains kick in, 
it's, it's, it's not going to be much support. Community that is made up of people who, who merely are just, they're just Christians, won't even necessarily mature our growth in the ways that we need, particularly if those people are not interested in maturing, right? It's a different thing to say it's Christ-centered community. It is possible to have Christian community that has someone else or something else as its center. Be careful of this, guys. Even if you're just here like one time hanging out with us one Sunday and you're not sure if this is a church for you, like let me just say this. If you're looking for any church at all and you're trying to figure out where it is that you're gonna become a part of, if Christ is not the center of that church, find a different church. It has to be him. And there's lots of other wonderful things, right, that churches do and exist for and other stuff that's on the outside of that. But we make no apologies here that Jesus is the center of everything. He goes on, he says, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. That we really, we have faith, not just faith in him as like belief, but faithfulness to him. That my loyalty to him is above all else. Knowledge of him, not just knowing facts about Jesus, right? But an intimate knowing, a personal knowing. The way you know your spouse or your best friend or your children, those people closest to you that you have experiential knowledge with, this is what he's talking about. He says, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Guys, I swear, this is the best thing about following Jesus is there's always more. And sometimes it's a little disappointing because I feel like I've hit something, right? Like, man, I've got there. I've reached it. I've attained it. And suddenly, I realize, no, he's like an iceberg. Jesus is like an iceberg. There's just more and more and keeps me coming back. He says, of him who is the head, that is Christ. Christ is the head of the body. This This is an image of like direction, right? Our our maturity and our growth only happen under his direction and guidance. Again, our spiritual formation is not something we can initiate or carry out on our own. It's what happens as we follow him where he is directing. So guys, someone or something will be your ultimate center and hold your ultimate loyalty. Let it be Christ. Let that be true for you individually. Let that be true for us as a church. And let me just say, like, if you you are not someone who can say, yeah, my life is fully centered on Christ, if you've never taken that step to say yes to him in that regard, let today be the day. We're going to continue to worship for a little bit more here. We're going to worship Jesus. And especially towards the end, when we have some prayer ministry time, if if you would like someone to pray with you, to say yes to him, I fully encourage you to do that. So full human maturity flourishes in community that is Christ-centered. Why don't you stand up with me as we get ready to worship. And even as we enter into worship, I just encourage you to take this question with you into God's presence. This question of, are you you suffering from spiritual growing pains? Do any of those resonate with you? Because if you could say yes to those, like bring them to him. 
Say yes this morning to the invitation that God is extending to you. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.